Once, there were four children, whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Suppose I'm writing a novel. I write, Mary laid down her book, next moment came a knock at the door. For Mary, who's got to live in the imaginary time of the story, there's no interval between putting down the book and hearing the knock. But I, her creator, between writing the first part of that sentence and the second, may have gone out for an hour's walk and spent the whole hour thinking about Mary. We make things by the law in which we are made. We create because we are created. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, in the darkness bind them. Tolkien and Lewis, both in their way, lifted me out of this world to show me a thundering beauty. And when I read the last sentence and came tumbling back to earth, I could still hear the peal. I hear it to this day. God allowed those stories to lift the veil on the imaginary world to show me the real world behind it, which ended up being, in the end, the one I was already in. The real world, at least in part, isn't out there somewhere, nor is it in my mind. It's here, right under my feet, all around me. Tolkien and Lewis held the fabric of Narnia or Middle-earth in one hand and clutched our world in the other, building a bridge across which we could set out for perilous realms and yet return safely with some of the beauty we found there. My first and last philosophy, that which I believe in with unbroken certainty, I learnt in the nursery. I generally learnt it from a nurse, that is, from the solemn and star-appointed priestess at once of democracy and tradition. The things I believed most then, the things I believe most now, are the things called fairy tales. We live in a moment that's unlike any other moment, a moment of bizarre tyranny, a moment of overreach. I was nearly torn apart by a crazy doctor. A moment of fear. It's like, and how are we living? How are we standing up in this moment? I was made asleep by a bunch of mangy pirates. Are we full of joy? Like, are we characters who are full of joy and unafraid? And eaten, got that? Eaten by a fire-breathing dragon. And that's a bitch of being tossed, squashed, and scared practically to death. It's like, how do we image God in this particular narrative in yeah. which we've been placed in this chapter. And we get trained for that by reading about Sam and Frodo and Aragorn and Gandalf and reading, of, you know, Charlotte's Web and Animal Farm and reading about Prince Caspian. Like when you're little, you read those things and you read stories when you're yeah. older and it reinforces what is the courageous action of a character in this moment. Yet you stand before me. Well, yeah. Think, boy. What kind of an adventure would you have had if I brought you here with a turn of the page? I wept bitterly. And then I said to myself, when everything happens quite miserably, then he sends help. I have always read so. People must first of all suffer a great deal before they can bring anything to accomplishment. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us.
for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Trembled at the voice of God, a voice of love and thunder deep. With love he means to save us all, and love has chosen you and me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Poets at War. Ya General Joshua. Brendan, over there, I don't know what his rank is, and Alex, still haven't ranked you yet either. Um, <laughs> We start left on the last one with the, with the salutes, and now we're doing it again. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. It's parts at war, man. Yeah. We, gotta be, we gotta be militaristic. Yep. I, 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 now. I don't think I've ever said in any kind of canon specifically, but this voice right here that does the thing when I do the announcer thing, you know, uh, that's that's Sergeant Ollie. So, oh, so Sergeant Ollie. Yep. So if I ever do this sort of a thing, it's Sergeant Ollie. Um, 
But anyway, we need a world building doc, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it, he's such a fun voice to do in general. Just say, "Are you old timey with root beer?" I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so Casey's birthday, my wife, and we had a fun time, went to Hibachi and had Linner, as we call it, uh, around here. And, um, she's gone to an escape room with her lady friends and has left me with the children. So if they interrupt at any time, we're just going to roll with it because this is poets of war and, you know, children are part of the war. (laughs) <laughs> we employ child labor in our warfare um <laughs> we do not that's all true not support child warfare we do not support <laughs> anyway <laughs> so how about you brendan how's life going with the little child oh my lord okay so uh babies don't sleep news that allow me give or take uh, <laughs> Actually, the past few nights haven't been that bad. Um, for a so- the first couple weeks of his life, he would wake up at 2.15 and not go back to sleep until 5.30. Combine this with the fact that he wants to be held. He loves being held. Oh, yeah. And Especially it was once. like, it was like, all right. We're not, you know, we don't get to sleep for however long. But like three nights ago, he just he finally started like actually sleeping. Like he'd get up to nurse and then we'd send him back down and he would settle down and like rest and sleep until like six, seven. I think last night he went five hours and we were like, okay, that's hey. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Like a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, no, you need to be feeding up heat ate for like an hour not they they get hungry it wakes them up it's fine yeah 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 unless something he's wrong with him that's fine we're, we're not we're not we're not abusing our child believe me we are being very careful and stuff like to the point where babies lose a certain amount of their body weight after birth and, and the benchmark is they want them back at their birth weight after two weeks he was almost a pound over his birth weight before two weeks. And now he's at, because um, he was born 6'8". Now he's at, we measured him today, he's at 8 pounds. He was born at first. He's He is a chonky boy. Yep. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. One second, gentlemen. That's okay. Um. Uh, yeah, but other than that, like... I can looking ring and uh yes I know <laughs> I've been working and um Kirith has been doing sorry Kirith my wife has been doing well and so yeah it's just trying to live with a new one it's just a new experience yep it's a whole thing it's uh a whole thing I um with my daughter she had periods of not wanting to be held and then wanting to be held and it was very confusing very early on my my son no he just wanted to be held like there's there's nothing else just just hold me doesn't matter 
if I'm getting fed, doesn't matter if I'm getting, you know, whatever, like I'll eat, whatever. <laughs> That's what he was like. But as long as I'm held, I'm good. And that was okay for the most part. Um, Casey is a mom and I know there's a million people who go up in arms, but when guys are talking, people are a little less likely to jump, jump on them about it. We, we, we're advocates for the co-sleeping kind of thing, or at least co-laying down for a while. <laughs> You know what I mean? Before, yeah. before they go to bed, people get weird about that kind of stuff. But I find that you need to be as relaxed as the baby is in order for them to get the sleep that they need anyway. There's a billboard literally down my street that's like, I am best when I sleep alone. And it's a baby. And it's like, <laughs> propaganda. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Have you ever actually seen a baby? You, right. Have you had any experience with this, or is this all theoretical knowledge that you have here? <laughs> it's, it's, um, I, I suspect it's purely liability. It is. They don't want Fair enough. to say, oh, you can co-sleep. It's fine. Then somebody gets drunk, sleeps, rolls over onto their baby, crushes and kills it, and then sues the people. It's less about crushing, though. It's, it's actually, I've, I've had... I've had, yeah, it's suffocation, but it's also just um, more of a chance for facing downward and they get worried because SIDS statistics and whatever else. I have a cousin who died of SIDS um, following uh, some other stuff that happened, and it was a whole, like, um, it's one of those things that I don't think that they have all the factors for in any way, shape, or form. And they are just making best guesses and then giving blanket statements. That's tend not to be what the medical community does for safety purposes. And I mean, I get it, but if you really do find a groove for your kid and there are no long-term adverse effects, as far as you can tell, so the soon as there start to be change it, but like you got to experiment somewhat with every single kid, you know? And like, Parents are made to see things and find things, and if we don't have that presupposition, where are we going to end up? In crazy town, like where we are now. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I didn't think we were going there, but Alex, tell me about you and what's going on with the you and yours. Oh, well, uh, my siblings, uh, for people on the podcast who don't know, uh, I am the oldest of eight. Um, and all of my siblings, except for the sister right next to me in birth order, uh, have lice. So oh, fun. That That's fun, and we're working on getting rid of that. I do not, as I said, my sister does not. But yeah, that's been going on, which is interesting because earlier this year, uh, I, still kind of dealing with it, had bed bugs in my room and tried to get rid of that. They're still not fully gone yet getting there and uh then last year we all got ringworm so oh man through it tiny weird things that like to come in and infest places we've been going with through that but in happier news uh, i'm making a lot of progress on a little like clearing that i'm trying to make at, at the property so nice there's a bunch of trees that are right next to each other and i'm been working on clearing it out so that we'll have a place for or we can like invite people over and host and stuff like that. Sweet. I've been making good progress on that. Good work, man. At the risk of sounding like a barbarian, you know, both of those problems can be solved with fire. 
Yes, I know. But I left my books. Yes, I would say the same. Burn, like like you move stuff out first, but yeah, you know. it's also incredibly expensive to hire the people who come in and like torch the place. So yeah, why would you need to hire people? Because oh, I'm, I'm right, I forgot. Not everyone is a built-in arson <laughs> known as a Boy Scout. No, 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 no. I, I am. I, I am. But also, it's my grandparents' house, so you know, uh, don't really want to burn their house down. That okay? Yeah, that's fair. Mitigating factors on my pyrocenia. Uh, Guys, continue. I'm going to mute me mute myself for a moment. <laughs> Speaking of uh, um, books, you just finished one, apparently. Yes, I did. Uh, yeah. uh, could why, why don't you why don't you give us a which book you read, roughly how long it took, and your I don't want to say necessarily spoiler free impressions, but if you if you like it, spoiler free. If it is, assuming it's a story. If it's not a story, just thoughts. Okay, so just finished book three in the Queen's Thief series by Megan Whalen Turner. As recommended it last year, uh, Jason Farley on Ox Unplugged recommended it. And I said, that sounds very interesting. And so I went and read it. And I sell absolutely head over heels in love with it. It is fantastically amazing series. Um, it, it tells, it's a Greek-inspired sort of fantasy series but the magic system there's no really magic system to speak of but there are gods that like interact with the characters and stuff think like percy jackson but written much much better than rick riordan wrote that series and yeah. what sir? I, and i like percy jackson i i legitimately yeah. enjoy it but this one's just leagues better uh one of the amazing things about it is that every single book in the series is a different genre. So the first one is them walking to a place and then it ends in a heist. So it's very, it feels very similar to Ocean's Eleven to me, uh, that type of stuff. The second one is a, like, looking at it from the king's perspective, going out and battling different nations type stuff. That, that feel. The third one is a political thriller. The fourth one is a spy novel. The fifth one is the buddy cop. And the sixth one wraps everything up. And then there's a short story collection as well. Very nice. It is something that I've never seen done before in any series ever. And I absolutely love it. The book three is my favorite and I just finished that one. So I'm super happy with it. I, I forgot how much I loved it. but it, It's so good. In that vein of, and then we can move on if Brendan doesn't have anything after that. In that vein of things that you forgot how good they were, I've been recently getting back into the Joker blogs because someone brought up Heath Ledger and the Brood. Mm -hmm. uh, had either of you seen the Joker blogs or no? I have not. People for I definitely highly recommend it for people who have you know a PG thirteen or harder uh, constitution. It's a uh, Web series, found footage series, kind of a thing that a guy did uh, doing an impersonation of Heath Ledger's Joker. He started out just doing it as, like, I'm making YouTube videos with my impression of the Joker, basically. 
and then uh, took that to a whole other level, and it becomes a whole found footage series, uh, like Arkham Doc. Uh, it starts out as 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 uh, basically Ar- Arkham documenting his uh, his interactions with Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, Harley Quinzel, um, and her trying to do therapy with him. And it goes way, 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 way deeper in crazy twists and turns. His Joker, he does make his own over time. Um, his Joker's a little less physically intimidating because he's smaller presence than Heath Ledger, but it ends up kind of being a Napoleon complex a little bit, which I really like for the Joker. Um, and he's also uh, uh, a good bit funnier than Heath, than Heath Ledger's Joker as far as just like the level of funny to serious... Um, he's still extremely scary, but he's also very funny and you feel bad at laughing at almost every one of his jokes, <laughs> you know? So it does a really, really good job. Um, this was made, I want to say uh, early 2010s and it was just, uh, fantastic. I, I started watching them again with Casey and we're going to go through them and, um, it's really fun. So. Highly recommend for anyone who likes Batman, the Joker, all that other kind of stuff, uh, if they're at least on a PG-13 R-ish kind of level. So there's not a lot of language in it at all. Um, I don't remember any right off the top of my head, honestly, but they do such a great job, like, you wouldn't notice it, you know? <laughs> so, yep. Um, the only comments that I would make on both of the subject, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, is uh, as far as the each book is a different genre. I think doing that circumvents a lot of problems that sequelitis creates. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my opinion, the best sequels are ones that you can't actually compare them to the original movie because they're so radically different. It shows that you have variety of writing. Um, with Batman, if we want to go there, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, uh, and I don't know, um, those two movies are, you, like, I feel like people kept trying to say, oh, Batman Begins was better. Oh, The Dark Knight's better. I'm like, you can't compare them because they're not the same plot structure at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can have preferences, sure, but, but you can't say one film is better than the other because they were trying to do different things. Similarly speaking, my personal favorite Marvel movie is The Winter Soldier. It's a political thriller. That one, yeah, yeah. It's a, it is it is a political thriller. That's it's what it is, right? Um, it's not what Captain America was. It's not right. trying to be, right? And that makes it, frankly, really, really good in my opinion. And then for found footage stuff, like it it sounds to me like Marble Hornets, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but it was a found footage YouTube series that was based around Slenderman. Oh, and I was way back in the day. And it it got really complicated with a complex plot. I stopped following it because I'm not into horror, but <laughs> it was really interesting for a while and right. also very confusing because it was found footage and there was amnesia involved. Mm-hmm. So fun. There you go. Well, I think that's a good spot. We can come back to that another time, but we'll uh, go ahead and go to our break and come on back for uh, our main topic. God said to me, blah, blah, blah. And we shall see if he really did or not. Stay tuned for the-
the show, Poets at War, is sponsored by the following. Attention all Christian writers and creative peoples! Are you searching for a place to share your work and receive encouragement from fellow wordsmiths? Look no further than the Broodcast. Inspired by the legendary Inklings of old, a group of writers who banded together during the Second Great War, the Broodcast is your monthly gathering for inspiration, fellowship, and critique. Join us as we share our stories and support our fellow soldiers on our creative missions. Enlist in the Broodcast community today at joshuadavidling.com slash brood. Travel cyberspace. Serve the greatest cause. Join the ranks of the Brood today. Imagine if you had everything Tolkien ever wrote. Well, you can't have his, but you can have mine. The Ling Lyricanium is $10 a month. And you can find it at joshuadavidling.com slash LL. That's joshuadavidling.com slash LL. And now back to the trenches. This is Poets at War. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely wanted to bring up this topic with you guys, knowing that I'm pretty, at least I'm pretty sure each of you holds a what would be considered by a seminary a loose cessationist position um like i said by a seminary yeah yeah by a seminary i'm not saying actually that's what it is or not i'm saying they would not find you charismatic um if yeah. they asked you questions so um I... cessationists are just dispensationalist light fighting <laughs> oh here we go so, um, specifically talking though, I want to, I want to lay aside talks of, you know, uh, special gifting. I want to lay aside talks of tongues. I want to lay aside talks of these sorts of things and get down to, uh, God told me something is a common phrase, even outside of charismatic circles. Um, a lot of evangelical people tend to say this sort of thing. I've met Catholics, even in the brood who have said, this sort of thing. Um, obviously, background, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cover our, our, our cessationist base here real quick. Um, Hebrews 1, right, the beginning. In, in, all, in, a, in, in previous times and places, God spoke through the prophets, uh, and now in these last days, he speaks through his son. That's a basic paraphrase. Anyone can look it up. Um, if Brendan looks like he's about to read it, which he can if he wants. Uh, I'm 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 trying to find it because yeah you want to you want to lay it down okay that's fine I want to I want to make sure that I have the um that I I I because sometimes the devil's in the details when it comes to words oh yes absolutely so, absolutely and I'm not well he's doing that specifically and grab mine okay go ahead that's the thing though I'm not saying necessarily like this is the definitive passage this is just the one that gets brought up the most. Um, in my opinion, and we can dissect that too, but like, yeah, this, the, I, I just wanted to say that we essentially affirm the basics of this passage without even getting into the details, obviously, but yeah, you want to take a look at it, Brendan? Yeah. I'll, uh, I, do you want me to read it? Cause I can't sure. quick. Stop where <laughs> you want, but yeah, just start. Uh, I'm Hebrews one. Hebrews one at the very beginning. So. Mm -hmm. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed, the heir of all things, 
through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. That's a good spot. Yeah. I think, yeah, because beyond that, it's just saying more of of the preamble. He's the son of God. He's the son of God. Uh, By the way, he's the son of God. He is the son of God. And he's better than the angels, better than any atron. Exactly. So we have a definitive spoken that is Jesus. And Jesus is the word. A lot of people make the jump and say, Jesus is the scripture, scripture's closed, this is what God has said, there you go. The hard cessationists go one step too far, in my opinion, and a lot of, there's a lot of cessationist opinion, quite frankly. Um, I'd say the majority of people who call themselves cessationists have a problem with the hard cessationist view, um, and that is that God no longer speaks, God no longer does anything active in the world which is crazy because the passage itself is in there. We just read is saying he upholds everything, present tense, by his power, uh, the word of his power, etc. So as far as um, most people go, I hear the argument um, that everything that needs to be spoken to in any kind of audible way has been spoken, um, and anything outside of the 66 books uh, could potentially be demonic and thus we need to leave it off to the side uh, or or test it or whatever. You know, there's a lot of different positions. And so, basically, I, I have a feeling, and, and then there's, okay, I forget who said it. It was a Puritan. Uh, I want to say it was Edwards, but I'm not sure, which I know Puritan, he's connected, but anyway... Um, if you have personal revelation, um, it is, I'm paraphrasing him. If you have personal revelation, it is essentially irrelevant, uh, because there isn't anything that God hasn't said already to you in his word. It's just pointing you back to his word. So it it doesn't matter that he's pointing it out to you. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Um, and so... I would take objection with that, but I have heard, and this was pointed out to me a um, long time ago by an elder in one of the churches that, uh, really in the church that I grew up grew up in. Um, he made the distinction, and I like this one. I'd love to hear what you guys think, and then we can launch into whatever, whoever wants to jump in. Um, he made the, di- the distinction between revelation, which is the scripture and the word given to the prophets, you know, and written down and all this other kind of stuff. And the words that we don't have that God legitimately spoke to people in the Old Testament, uh, period, the old, the old dispensation, whatever you want to call it. Um, but now, uh, uh, or, and, and we have all that he has revealed now until, you know, the eschaton. But there is such a thing as illumination. And that is God. He he can speak to you, quote unquote, in illumination by pointing you to something 
that the scripture already says, and he can use anything in the world to do that, anything in creation to do that. But it is not him revealing something to you in the same way that he revealed something to the prophets, which was new and needed to be written down, right? Um, and preserved and taught. Um, I think it's helpful, if not 100% perfect. Where are you guys on this kind of thing? Anyone wants to jump in and continue the conversation? I'll let Brennan go. Oh, you want you want to let me go? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I like that. I would have used different words, mm -hmm. um, and I would slightly make an an addition to the illumination side. Okay. Um, not because I think that there can. I I, I agree. I don't think that there is ever going to be a point where God will tell someone something that will alter change or add to right. the Bible. Yep. I think that's something that is safe. And I don't even think that's necessarily inherently cessationist. Right. Right. Because my issue, like, I think that, um, my, my issue again is that like, to me, uh, uh, when people talk about cessationism, I think there is a tendency to go directly to the extreme. Mm -hmm. of hard cessationism, I think, as you called it, Joshua. Right. Um, where it's like, God never speaks ever. And I'm like... <laughs> right. Because these are the same people a lot of the times who will say, oh, but God takes care of everything, and they have no room in their theology for angels. Right. What are angels doing? Just sitting on their hands? Right. Hanging forever in heaven? Right. Like, come on. They've got jobs. Let them do their jobs. Um, but I will say that while you can't add to scripture, I do believe that God can speak to people and give them particulars about a situation that they are in particularly. Okay. And I have two examples of that that we can get into later from mm -hmm. my own personal life. Sure. I have personal one from my personal life, one too, from my too, mother's. But, but yeah, I wanted to kind of lay some groundwork, but yeah. 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 We're in the groundwork section for now. I, I, so I think that uh, Revelation versus Elimination. Again, I quibble about the word of illumination because, right. like, it to me that is very limiting to pointing to the Bible, right? It's God saying, I already told you here, go look right. here, right? Figure it out. Which, I mean, yeah, he does that, I would say, more often than not. And I think, right. and I agree that he can use anything to illuminate. He could use you, he could use me, he could use a rock, he could use a book falling on your head, he right. could use an apple falling on your head, he could use. Um, just a random sign that happens to have well, that's covered up partially and it gives like a verse reference by accident, you know, because right. part of the word is covered up or whatever, you know, like it, he can use anything he wants to illuminate and point you to the Bible. But I do also think he is willing to speak audibly, heavy quotes on the audible side of things, to you know, to to also encourage, poke in the right direction, whatever, you know. Right, right. Alex. Um, I, I also think that the revelation elimination distinction is at very least interesting. I like that more than the uh, some of the other things that I've seen on it. I have 
was raised uh, effectively cessationist. It wasn't officially cessationist, but effectively that was the one that I, uh, the theological stream that I was raised under. And I've never, I personally have never had any experience one way or the other as far as like feeling that it never happens or that, you know, it's happening every day. I, I've had a lot of debates because I, I tend to fall I, I, cessationist, like uh, John MacArthur calls himself a leaky dispensationalist. Right. Um, so I tend to fall on the cessationist side of issues. And uh, it's, I know that we're not getting into a prophecy and stuff like that, but I, I'm kind of left homeless in this debate. Yeah. Uh, because it's, I, I know enough people who have said that they had experiences, and I'm not immediately willing to completely discount those experiences. Right. But also, I think that it's really, really dangerous whenever we start hearing, like, e even the moderates of the uh, charismatic side talking like Michael Brown. Uh, where he says, okay, so the, these are the standards for prophecy. These are standards for, for prophecy. And then we vet it and we say, okay, this is prophecy. And if it fails, then we just say, oh, we got it wrong. And the guy can still prophesy because it's not letting the biblical rules of prophecy inform that. And so that's the battle that I'm, th that's the uh, intellectual battle that I'm trying to fight inside of myself, trying to figure out where I stand on all those issues. But I see massive massive faults on both sides and so i'm just up in the air waiting to see where i come down on it okay all right very nice. very long way of saying i just don't know it's all right moving forward i think brendan kind of hit hit the nail on the head with um we'll keep rolling with illumination until someone suggests something better i'm willing to accept something better if someone comes up with something but uh the the main thing that i think is left out in the distinction, um, and at Brendan, you very lightly touched on this, is when God revealed doctrine in the Old Testament, and when God revealed the judgment and the uh, exaltation of nations and kings and, you know, all these sorts of things, and future prophecy and, you know, all these sorts of things. He also, at various times and places, um, revealed or illumined, however you want to look at it, uh, in encouragement, he did so with, uh, he, he did, he also, in addition to doing the things that I just said, he also gave encouragement, he gave um, situational awareness. Um, he gave, um, uh, what's the term? Um, rebuke, but I'm thinking more specifically, like he pierced the heart of somebody with something from the moral law. Um, and that would be definitely fall under illumination, um, in our, in our definition at the moment. So when God did those things, I'm thinking particularly of um, Elisha's servant as one of them. Um, Elisha's servant wasn't given something that needed to be 
uh, immediately written down and then presented to someone, you know, for whatever reason, like to kings and princes and all this other kind of stuff. I think that's a whole other thing, right? <laughs> Whether we're writing it down as scripture or we're presenting it to a king or we're preserving it for future generations, I think that's different than encouragement um, and situa situational awareness, whatever the situation might be. I think those two things both fall under illumination in that God is giving you a meta view of your life. And I find that the author likes to do that sometimes. I re it reminds me of, uh, in Lord of the Rings, Galadriel. Um, in the movie, I, you know, I think it does happen in the books too, if I remember correctly. She uh, In Shelob's lair, um, he, he takes the, the light of Erendil, right? And he... Um, you know, hears her and she speaks to him and she encourages him and helps him through by her power, right? And he has a vision outside of himself of what's going on. I think that sort of, I think that is the best example of illumination. I mean, it's literally a, the light of an end, right? Like, <laughs> that's that's what I think most people are trying to say when they say God spoke to me and they really did experience something. Um. God is giving a meta view of your situation, whether to encourage, to condemn, to whatever. Um, and he's doing it by the light of his word and by the light of nature um, and giving you, this is really what's happening. This is the storyteller I view. And it's not, it's not like he's revealing anything to you, but reality. He's not, he's not telling you how reality works. He's not pulling back the curtain and saying, this is my law, right? This is this is what you must do. This is uh, the fact that I'm Trinity. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's not that. He's not pulling back the curtain and showing the inner workings of the story. He's just saying, this is where you are in the story. Yeah. Yeah. I, um... I mean, I've got the two stories that I'm gonna that I want to tell. And you can tell them when you're ready. But I mean, we can we can wait on that because we're still, I think, laying groundwork. But the other thing is, you got to remember that. <clears throat> excuse me. The majority of these debates are happening in the global north. You go to the global south, and people don't question if someone, like, a lot of the times, like, talk about Jesus appearing to Muslims in dreams. And he is saying, and he either says, I am Jesus, go to this church and find out about me. At which point he's not giving revelation as predefined. Or he's not even saying that he's Jesus. He's saying, go to these people and ask them about who I am. Right. And he's still going to the church, you know. But that individual, like, how, how, what would a cessationist do with that? You know, but uh, most of them don't know what to do with it. They don't know what to do. Um, what about the um, what about the fact that in the global south there are miracles happening on a regular basis? I don't know if cessationism is purely for the revelation and stuff, or are they also talking about miracles? But I know of a story of a man who raised a girl from the dead. 
Mm-hmm. My he is currently my my father is currently going to give him the Wilberforce Award by the from the Colson Center um, in Indianapolis. So that's dating <laughs> that's dating this exact recording. <laughs> um, but uh, the this man he was poisoned with enough poison to kill a horse, mm-hmm. and he lived. And the witch doctor of the village said, "These people have something they need to say. You need to listen to that." And he converted a village because of that. Like these miracles are happening in the global south, but they're not happening in the global north. And while I think there is wisdom in being cautious about adding to revelation, I think that part of what, again, and this is me just harping on this point, what mires the discussion is the question of all uh, is is words that's what it boils down to it just it it's just words when we say revelation we mean biblical revelation adding to scripture right. but other but we don't we don't have a word for direction basically is what it's yes i like that better direction although it's not always direction of like it's not even always what what you are to do i'll go ahead and tell one no one of yeah. one of my uh, experiences. I only have mine um, to to give. Uh, there there's some in my family, but I I really kind of want to stick to mine um, because I don't think I do justice to the other ones. Um, the first one I can think of uh, was uh, I was, and this is very in many ways um, sort of an evangelical experience but we're just going to go with it and you take it for what it's worth. Um, they, I've had experiences like this all my life and it's made me who I am. So take that with it, with it too. I had a dream and most of my experiences have been dreams. That's the other thing. We haven't really even talked about dreams. Dreams are a whole other thing. And I actually believe God is more inclined to speak in those times than uh, yeah, as far as like directional dreams, illumination kind of things then he is like, you're just walking down the road. <laughs> um, but the, uh, I, I was, I was a teenager and I was working four or five days a week, uh, days a week at Publix. I was working two, uh, uh, two to four DJ jobs on the weekend. Uh, and then going to church and trying to do school all at the same time. It was, uh, absolutely ridiculous. Oh, and football. I don't know if I mentioned football. Um, football practice and, uh, football game. So, um, the, during football practice one day, I, and this is just the beginning, the, the dream comes later. I was, uh, running gassers, which is wind sprints for people who call it something different. Uh, you basically run the half, the, like the, the, the short length of the field up and back, up and back as fast as you can take as long as the coaches will give you and then do it again, do it again, do it again. Um, and so I was, uh, I, I, before practice, I had had a Sobe, remember Sobe sodas? They're not sodas, Sobe drinks. This one had caffeine. I had no clue. And I was caffeine crashing during gassers. And, um, I felt like my head was going into the clouds and my feet were sinking down into quicksand. Like I felt like I was being physically stretched. And I passed out for a short amount of time. That night, I had a dream. 
And in that dream, uh, there was I was on a weird Seussical vacation, like Dr. Seuss land. And there was this giant old house run uh, that was a bed and breakfast, and I was going with some church kids, and we were going to stay and have, you know, uh, a weekend away. And um, there's this giant old Seuss mansion, right? And it's run by this uh, English uh, butler who's black, sort of an Idris Elba sort of person. And uh, he owned the place. It was been his family, etc. And uh, he's like, just enjoy yourselves. Have fun. Well, I'm enjoying myself at like an air hockey table or something. And all of a sudden, some people from the youth group, whatever, start running in and screaming. And there's fire behind them. And we run up further into the house because uh, they were down in the basement. And um, the fire climbs because that's what it does. Turns out they had loose some demons from the basement and they were climbing, climbing, climbing up after us. And we were closing the door and trying to hide and whatever else. And Mr. Wendell's leading us. That's the name of the black butler, Mr. Wendell. He's leading us through this whole situation. And uh, then uh, we get to... You know, and some of the times when we when we have to turn tail and run to the next floor, we lose some people. So there's only a handful of us left by the time we get toward the upper floors and stuff like that. And um, what happened was uh, when we know there's only one floor above us, and it's basically like a greenhouse rooftop sort of situation. Um, Mr. Wendell says, you guys go up there now. I'm going to stay here and hold them off. And we're like, no, no, you need to stay with us. You saved us. We need your help. We need your help. And he's, and he gives us a walkie-talkie. And he says, go up. I'll talk to you when it's all over. And so we go up, and we're there, and uh, we, start, we, we, we hear a, a ruckus and a craziness, and you hear him shout out, scream aloud, and then nothing like without the even the walkie-talkie we're just hearing this you know through the floor basically and i start calling mr wendell mr wendell are you there are you there are you are are, are you are you okay are you there and i started to hear back through the radio one of the songs that we did for kids parties from the movie school of rock seems completely random as Baby, we was making straight A's, but we were stuck in a dumb daze. Don't take much to memorize your lies. Feel like I've been hypnotized. And then that magic man, he come to town. Woo-wee, he done spun my head around. He said, recesses in session, two and two make five. And now, baby, oh, I'm alive. And that, it completely reframed that song in my mind to Christ the one who showed up at the wedding of Cana and said, it's party time. You know what I mean? And he was telling me in that moment, I felt the comfort in it. And I woke up tearful and happy and feeling like I had just slept 12 hours, even though it had been like three. And it was the most unreal physical experience beyond that too. But basically like, this 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 dream said, dude, you got a lot going on. You're taking everything way too seriously. I've got you. You know, it was really that level of just deep comfort. And yeah, 
I made it through that. And I've had dreams like that similarly. I've had dreams that led me to Casey. I may get into that if we get to a point, but I want to make sure you guys get yours. I've had, uh, you know, usually when things are really, really, really bad or I'm really anticipating something, I'll even pray that God gives me wisdom to make the decision in the moment. And it's usually some somewhere I can reference a dream that I had. Sometimes I don't remember the dream until the moment, you know? Um, and it's clear and obvious. It's just something he's always done in my life. It's not, only happened probably like a dozen times, but it's really clear when it happens, like abundantly clear. So. Who's next? <laughs> or you can talk about it, whatever. Once again, everything that I said previously was just a fancy way of saying I don't know. So right, right, yeah, and yeah. I totally get it. I wish, I wish the dreams that I had were that fun. The only two dreams that I remember that I'm convinced are, uh, are were from God are uh, were nightmares. So thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've had one nightmare from God, but it also had a sequel that was a good dream. Well, both were both of mine involved a black force that was sin. A very specific sin. I know which one. And um, one was him pulling me out. The other was it breaking down and breaking down the door to my bedroom and storming in. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was fun. But that's not what I wanted to talk about uh, for mine, for my story. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just, I'll go over both of them as quickly as possible as we are once again, <laughs> we're talking a lot. Um, that's okay. The first one, which is my personal experience. I was in college and um, I had a tendency to hang out with what were known as the couch critters. The couch critters were nerds, um, magic players, video gamers, anime geeks, my people. Um, and uh, but they were also not Christian because I didn't go to a Christian college. You know, I was at a secular school. Well, I was at the school where my dad worked. The mascot were the Blue Devils in Connecticut. Not exactly known as a pinnacle of morality um, or conservatism, <laughs> but either way. Um, and I was, I was friends with this girl who she was not quite non-binary exact. I mean, she was, she might've been non-binary, but she wasn't quite trans because this was before trans blew up, but she right. definitely was more willing to, she had definitely was, uh, I don't want to be a girl, right? Like, I don't want to be a girl, girl. I want to be a, I want to be my own girl. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to do this. I'm going right. to, you know, whatever. Like, she confessed to me one time that she felt bad that she wanted to do housewife things. And I'm like, that's not a bad thing if it makes you happy. Chill out. <laughs> but either way. Um, anyway, I had my pocket Bible with me, and she said, can I see that? I'm like, sure. I handed it to her, and she said, wow, I've never really held a Bible before. And that clicked in my head of, oh, oh, I'm supposed to give this to her. Okay. So I said, okay, you can have it. And she goes, what? No, I can't take this from you. And I'm like, yes, you can. You just did. I just gave it to you. And she goes, oh, okay, well, I'll give it back. I said, 
You know, she, I, she, I got her to take it. That's all that mattered. Well, I went to dad who was in it. I went to dad's office and he's, and I, and as I was walking, I was just getting this really heavy feeling and this thought kept going through my head. I need to buy her a Bible. I need to buy her a Bible. There's a bookstore down, like down the road. Okay, here we go. So I went to dad and dad said, Hey, I need to talk to this other professor for a bit. Uh, we didn't need quite that. I said, oh, can I borrow the keys and drive down to the bookstore to buy a Bible for a friend? And he said, yes, because my dad's not an idiot. Oh, um, and so uh, he handed me the keys. I drove down. It took me longer to find the Bible I wanted because I wanted to get her an ESV. Mm-hmm. Um, NIV's okay. I prefer ESV translation. NASV. I, I just think it's that nice balance of old language, but not sure. like so old it's, that it's, it's like... Not. You know, this day, right? But it gets the right regalness that I think should be there across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get the ESV, and Dad said, all right, when we're done, I'll meet you behind the student center. Now, bear in mind, this is a commuter school. So the student center does have a drive up and drop off, but there's also a parking garage right next to it that's always full because it's a commuter school. So I drive around, and Dad's not there. It took me way too long to get to this to get this book, and I'm like, Dad said the conversation would be short. He said that like he should be here. He said he'd meet me here. And then I went, Oh, I'm supposed to give it to her now, aren't I? And a voice that I didn't think of in my head said, Yup. And I went, and I drived, pulled into the parking garage right next to the exit on the ground floor. There was a parking spot. Like, this doesn't happen. Right. So I parked there, walked in, and I gave her the Bible. And as soon after I did, after I gave it to her, and she was like, what? You can't buy this for me? I'm like, I already did. Stop it. <laughs> um, and, uh, like, you get to keep that. After that was said, Dad walked up. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I am convinced that that voice was God. Yeah. I can't tell you what it sounded like. Yeah. Because it wasn't a sound. Right. Exactly. But it was a thought that I can't explain to you, but it wasn't my thought. Right. And it wasn't, but again, not special revelation. Yeah. Just, just direction and confirmation. Right. This is what I'm supposed to do, isn't it? Right. <laughs> yeah. My my latest one, um, I'll, I'll say this one really quick because it's very short. Um, the I was at, in church and I was just praying during uh, communion, you know, holding the elements. And um, just praying for help like I do because I'm a very needy person. <laughs> and um, yeah, exactly. The... Uh, uh, I did, as far as hear, being able to hear your own thoughts, my brain makes a million voices. I can, you know, because that's how my brain works. My brain is a full-fledged Dolby surround system <laughs> uh, when it comes to sound. I'm very good at imagining very specific sounds and pitches, being musician, being all these other sorts of things. Um... So when I say I can tell you what it sounded like, I'm not saying I can tell you what it sounded like with these. 
I could say I'm saying I can tell you what it sounded like in my Dolby surround sound uh, imagination of sound, right? It sounded like my dad doing the voice of Aslan. <laughs> like identical, because that to me is what God sounded like as a kid. You know? And I was just asking for help. Help, uh, uh, please establish the work of my hands. You know, I've been working so long at this, that, the other, whatever. And he says, uh, and I'll try to do the, the, tone justice not the voice necessarily but the tone of how he said it um i will be with you bard and it will be enough that's it i will be with you bard and it was almost like yeah i'm the one who made you that not you I know you're all insecure about, like, people thinking, well, you are what you are. And it's stupid because I made you that in the first place, so shut up about it. You know, stop stop being all, all precious about it. I'll be with you, bard, and it'll be enough. So there you go. <laughs> that's that's usually what that's like. Most of the time it's a dream for me, but... And, and and like I said, I've only had like a dozen of these ever in my life. They're not common. <laughs> They're not something that's, you know, super, super common. And most of those were me asking for who I'm going to marry and God giving me a very specific thing, a common thread throughout many, many, many dreams. I don't think even the whole dream was him talking, you know, um, just little things here and there, little hints here and there. Every single woman I've ever dated, and this was not my choice, had some connection to the name Anne. My wife's middle name is Angelica. It was either their middle name or their mom's name or their, you know, you know, it, like it was, it was a closely associated name with every woman who I ever had serious talks about maybe possibly one day getting married to. Every single one along the way. And Angelica was where it ended up. And so my daughter's middle name is Anne. Not because it's a pretty little white girl overused middle name, but because of that. And then I find out much later that Anne is the name of the ship and the queen who sent, who, who sent the lings to the United States. It's literally the name of the ship that was sent and the queen that sent them from the Palatine, uh, on the Palatine migration to the Pennsylvania, you know, the Pennsylvania Dutch migration. <laughs> so, like, I, 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 when I tell my daughter why I named her certain things and I get to Anne, you know, I named you Anne because God has led our family along in mysterious ways through that name. You know? So, there you go. Alex, any further words before we uh, move on to our final thing, which is just a lyric, uh, lyric, lyric uh, breakdown? I, I, I have an idea of what you might say, but keep going. I'm giving you chances. So, the... I, I've heard stories like that stuff uh like that stuff before like you know yep and uh showing the thread and all that and the 
thing that I come back to and rejoice in is uh, gets back to doctrines of grace, sovereignty of God. The way that I've the, the way that I have specifically come to believe in those things is that God is the writer. That's right. And that that is the only analogy that makes the world. That that is the only analogy that does the picture that we are shown in the Bible any form of justice whatsoever. It maintains the true freedom that we have. We actually have freedom to actually make choices. Um, but ultimately, if you look at it from the meta level, God is in control of it. And right. as the writer, he can do whatever he wants. That's right. Now, and he he's does. Given us, he's given us the... Exactly. He's given us the book of rules, and he said this is the norm. This is what we're... Uh, this is the normal way that things are going to happen. But every so often, uh, like Brennan was talking about with the fig tree and the spirits of nature... Um, last episode, you can say, yeah, okay, just blow that off here. Okay, we'll we'll make a pass here because I'm God and I can, you know, put a patch in or whatever. And whenever you have whatever the doctrine ends up being, whatever the accepted orthodox doctrine on this question ends up being, uh, I like Doug Wilson's idea that we're currently in the early church. Well, you know, we're we're still figuring out a bunch of stuff. We just figured out the doctor. We we just figured out the doctrine of sola scriptura five years ago or five hundred years ago. We are well away from done. <laughs> and whatever the accepted doctrine on this question ends up being, it has to take into account that those things actually happen, and it also has to take into account that those things are not normal. Right. At least not in the global north, as Brennan was, was saying. Not in the world that has been, um, for better or for worse, successfully evangelized. And we have to figure out how to melt those things. I, I, I don't know how. I, I'm, I am an amateur theologian at best. <clears throat> this is a subject for a different conversation, but I think I'm hesitant to say that the global north is evangelized. We are the first... <laughs> Um, culture in the history of civilization that doesn't know how to define a man and a woman. <laughs> they do. Yeah, they just I, stress the truth and unrighteousness. Right. Yes. And I accept that. But one of the things that I, um, that, that I would pose is the other issue is that we don't see things and we don't like, there's a certain level of expectation versus perception. Uh, in addition to that, like, and this is a conversation for a different time. If you expect miracles, you will see miracles more often. Sure. If you don't expect miracles, you won't see them as often. Unless God slaps you in the face with them like a wet fish. Yeah. Yes. Unless, unless he slaps one in the face with like a wet fish. Um, thank you, Jonah. Veggie tales. Um, but the thing is like, and that's one of that's one of the reasons why I don't like saying when people are like, "Oh, you're a cessationist," or like, "I'm like," it makes me cringe because it's like we are by accepting that you are ex, you are you are forcing your vision to be colored to a certain right. That's right. why I'm. That's why I push back against that. But yeah, yeah. So the I know that we have to cut and get to the next one but brief defense of uh my statement that the global north is the 
place in the world that's been successfully evangelized is that uh, we now agree on Christian things, um, even across the right-left spectrum. We have giant errors, but like we agree that we need to take care of the poor. Now, everybody, everybody, everybody agrees that we need to. Take we care we, of the poor. we even agree, agree that the weird outcasts need to be treated as human beings. Yeah, we just don't exactly. know what treated like human beings means. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's uh, there was a I believe I believe he was a journalist who went to, I think Saudi Arabia, and right before he left, he was talking with a Christian friend, and his Christian friend said, "Oh, you're you're way more Christian than you know." He said, "No, no, no, I I am a solid atheist. I am not a Christian by any means." Guys, and he went wrap to Saudi this Arabia. up. Wrap this up. Uh, you guys can talk to each other and wrap this up. I need to check on Peter. I'll be right back. Okay, got it. Um, but. He went to, I believe it was Saudi Arabia, and he saw a kid out in the streets uh, playing a game where he was hitting a cat with a baseball bat. And all of the moms were staring at you know, watch this is normal. And he went, shoot, I am a Christian. Not like actually Christian, but I am Christian. Because yeah, that is something that we have simply, the successful evangelism of the Western Hemisphere has caused a sea change in the way that people see the world, even atheists. Yeah, that's what I mean by successfully evangelized. Sure, okay, I can I can see that, and it and that's the same thing. Reason why why everyone accepts that Odin was a peace loving individual in Thor, when the real Odin was a shamanistic warmonger who told Freya to cause all the men of the earth to fight each other. So yeah, I yeah. okay. I see your point, I see your defense, and I accept that. Moving on to the final segment. Final segment! Okay. We'll be right back on Poets at War. I'm Ian Wilson, and I create graphic art using primarily traditional methods, supplementing with digital where it's needed. I use a real pen, a real paper, a real graphite to make my art. I like to feel my art. I've always been this way. I love the feeling of a pen or pencil in my hand, the sound of graphite scratching paper, and I love the sight of a nice black line making its way across the page. So why choose traditional art over digital? Traditional art has an organic, natural quality that seems to be missing from most digital illustrations. The illustrated books and comics that were made in the days before digital have an excellence and staying power that is just as vibrant now as it was decades ago. These are the stories that stay with you. Dr. Seuss, Winnie the Pooh, Where the Wild Things Are. People still read these. I'm currently working on my own graphic novel series, Legend of the Swordbearer, and I've also had the privilege to draw graphics for two motion comic series, along with illustrations for a small magazine, Logos Sophia magazine, and various book covers. Don't let traditional art fade into the dust. Help me keep it alive. You won't regret it. Visit my website at ianthomaswilson.com for more info. Get down! We're returning to the trenches on Poets at War! Okay. <laughs> Alright, gentlemen. <clears throat> so, uh, if you want to look it up yourselves, you can pull it up. If not, uh, I'll just read it. But I wanted to deep dive into these lyrics because I think they're really... Uh, Awesome and simple. Peter, if you want to come sit with me, that's fine. We're almost... Come here. 
What's what's the name of the song? It is Canaan Bound by Andrew Peterson. Canaan Bound by Andrew Peterson. Lesson by you. If I only knew, if I only knew how many A's were in each part. <laughs> I know, right? That's me. A A N A N. That's me with. That's me. It's C A N A A N. Uh, but I always get uh, Morocco messed up. Oh my gosh! How many R's? How many? How many R's? How many C's? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, have either of you heard this song? I have. I love it. That's, this is my favorite Peterson. I will listen to it. It is an old one. Why don't you go ahead and listen to it just so you can hear it? Then we can deep sure. Wait, that's a JPEG, Brendan. That's not. <laughs> oh, no, there's a, there's a YouTube video. A few minutes later. Beautiful. Yep, it's a wonderful song. So, yeah, I just wanted to do a brief sort of kind of deep dive into the lyrics because they aren't super deep, but I think that what is deep there is super deep. Um, obviously, the whole idea of writing a song uh, from abraham's perspective and he does a couple abraham perspective uh songs um this one in particular always gets me though it's something that i love getting into with my wife so we'll just read through a little bit and stop where we want to make notes stop me wherever you want to stop me uh sarah take me by my arm tomorrow we are canaan bound where westward sails the golden sun and hebron's hills are amber crowned that is the refrain in this one um I just love story of Abraham is just so strong, particularly I think it right now for millennials who aren't inheriting anything because of either their parents losing everything or uh, selfish parents, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, a lot of them, you know, I think of the van van life bad economy. Yeah, I know bad economy in general, but like I think of the van life people and the people striking out to be homesteaders and all these other sorts of things. And I just, I, I love uh, you know, you think even back to Oregon Trail, there's a there's a, there's a sense in this song that reminds me a lot of the Oregon Trail. Um, and, you know, we have a place where we're going and it's going to be better. Um, and we have a real hope for that. So bid your troubled heart be still. The grass, they say, is soft and green. The trees are tall and honey filled. So Sarah, come and walk with me. Like the stars across the heavens flung, like water in the desert sprung. Like the grains of sand are many suns, O Sarah, fair and barren one, come to Canaan, come. I love the emotional roller coaster of that particular uh, verse um, because it's, you know, stars and then water in the desert, just, you know, like he's, he's saying, you know, um, we have this promise of many from a place of barrenness. And it's just the first first line, stars across the heavens flowing, this great and amazing thing, water in the desert, you know, uh, coming out of nowhere. Like the grains of sand are many suns. Uh, once again, huge, crazy idea, crazy promise. Oh, Sarah, fair and barren one. Acknowledging the brokenness, acknowledging where they're actually at. And then the promise, come to Canaan, come. It's it, it also beautiful. Go it ahead. also pushes them on in faith because yep. uh, of Sarah, Farron, Baron, one after the promise that they've been given. Yep. Uh, are, 
like the grains of sand are right it's it's specific to their family the faith that that he's asking in the song uh to go with him because we have faith that this one thing will happen have faith here too yep let's let's go yep and this verse right here is the one that made me think of it specifically for this episode considering everything we talked about i trembled at the voice of god a voice of love and thunder deep with love he means to save us all and love has chosen you and me i love that love chose us you know um i love that andrew points that out i love um a voice of love and thunder deep is a really fantastic strong way of showing um the idea of god thundering in love you know there's a lot of songs that really really hit me over the years one of them is another another one is rich mullins uh the love of god where he says um the reckless raging fury that they call the love of god um back when the song uh reckless love was getting lambasted on all ends one way or another no matter what you think about the song I, I they were saying oh god's love isn't reckless blah 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 i'm like okay anthropomorphic language the guy is not exactly the greatest when it comes to the guy who wrote it not the greatest when it comes to um his actual theology and he thinks something weird with that sure but reckless in that it seems uh it it seems to us crazy and relentless <laughs> um I, I i associate reckless with um relentlessness and um the reckless raging fury is the the ver the, the that's that's the rich mullen song and the and the reckless raging fury that they call the love of god i love every time in narnia when aslan roars you know and 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 the, the moment with shasta is the big one i'm thinking of where he says uh it, myself three times and each time is different. One of them is big and grand and scary. Another one's really low and just shakes the earth. And then a whisper, myself. And I love that God can thunder and love at the same time. It's like the most comforting thing. Um, my son, uh, right here, actually, he... Um, uh, when I, when we were in the hospital, Casey had to be in surgery a lot longer after he was C-sectioned and I held him for probably about almost 50 minutes, almost an hour, um, and sang every song I could think of to him and the, and the, the lowest rumbliest kind of voice I could, a lot of Tolkien far over the misty mountains, uh, the, uh, song of Doran, uh, you know, stuff like that. And he got more and more comforted by the rumbliness of his big daddy holding him than anything else. Even though he was hungry, even though he was cold, even though he was, you know, whatever. The warmth and the rumble is is what I associate with God. Um, you know, and, and I, I always have. Long after we are dead and gone, a thousand years our tale be sung. How faith compelled, oh, yeah, okay. How faith compelled and bore us on. How barren Sarah bore a son. 
so come to Canaan, come. Where westward sails the golden sun, and Hebron's hills are amber crowned, O Sarah, take me by my arm, tomorrow we are Canaan bound. And regardless of your eschatology, we're Canaan bound. Keep walking. That's the main thing I want to get across to everybody right now. Regardless of where we are, Abraham had one little tiny grave plot of land and nothing else to his name. You know, he got more as he went on. He got armies along with him. But he didn't have anything in that promised land until generations later. The fact is, we are Canaan bound. The real new heavens and new earth are coming, regardless of how you specifically divide them. We're getting there. Keep pushing. Run the race, like Hebrews says. That's the push that I want to really give with this song. And don't neglect the fact that Sarah's barren. America's shot, man. <laughs> Good thing God raises the dead. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to leave it open to you guys for closing thoughts, and then I'll sign off. Um, you want to be saying it, I'm... Uh, it doesn't have to do with the uh, lyrics of the song, but one thing That's okay. that is worth mentioning. I, I love the... Uh, one of my favorite things to do... Uh, this is why I basically only listen to albums now, mm -hmm. not right. individual songs or playlists, is whenever you have a song that leads perfectly into another. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, this song does that with actually probably my favorite Rich Mullins songs, Let There Be Light. The next song in the album, there's this... The instruments carry right over into the next song. I, I just think that that's great. Going down to the... Uh, what you were talking about, about having hope in spite of Sarah being barren. Uh, this is what we were talking about on the brood yesterday. Um, in, in spite of situations that make you just, uh, okay, yep. I, it looks hopeless. Um, God takes hopeless situations and makes them fruitful. And even if we don't see how that's going to happen, we have to have faith that that's how God works, because that's how he's worked before, that's how he w is working now, that's how he will continue to work. And that is me preaching to myself right there. And if we don't have faith, he's still gonna do it. Because he's just hilarious that way. And I mean that in the biblical exactly. form of the word hilarious. Okay. Then. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I'm not good with I find it funny that I'm on Poets at War because I'm not good at verbal poetry necessarily. I, 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 I've, I've, I've popped out a verse or two every once in a while, especially back in high school and college. Um, but most of the, um, I, I'll, I'll leave the lyrical interpretation to you because that's better, or you're better at that. My, um, I, I, yeah, I was thinking about the brood conversations too. Um, and I think that I, li I like what you said about acknowledging that life sucks because that's definitely something like we can, if we're not careful, we'll go too far and we'll be Joel Olstein. 
and nobody wants to be Joel Olstein. I know some people think I am at times, but but you know, but at the that's same me fighting time. against the darkness. But that's the thing, right? Like I think that so often in an attempt to not be something, we dive headlong into the other, and. Mm-hmm. We dive, and one of the things that, like, my pastor does a lot is he likes to harp on the deny thyself, take up thy cross, and follow me, which is which is biblical. I cannot say it's not biblical because that verse is literally in the Bible. At the same time, um, I, I, I and this is me perhaps being immature, I think it, I, I think if God put us on this earth just to suffer, for a while before we could get to heaven and that this earth is nothing and it means nothing and it's not important and our, our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever and so we're just like spending our time here what's the difference between this place and purgatory which as Presbyterians we ostensibly like disavow if this earth is this earth is meant to be something it is valuable to a degree the world as the the ephemeral construct of sin and a result of that is different is is that is bad yes but the world this earth what god made of creation that still has value in my opinion and so that yes sarah is barren but I love the visual imagery. Um, uh, stars across heavens flung, water in the desert spring. Grains of sand are many suns. That's their promise. And then where westward sails the golden sun. Golden, gold, valuable, beautiful. And Hebron's hills are amber crowned. Amber was the color that represented me at my wedding. I like amber. <laughs> I'm a little biased toward that. Um, and then we are keen and bound. Yeah, we're so, so like, I, I basically am, that's just a long-winded way of me agreeing with everything you said. <laughs> and that's then okay. adding on to it, and then adding on to it, the, um, yeah, I am worried about, I am worried about things in my life, but I need to remember the ravens and the lilies, and I have to keep waiting isn't passive, it's an active thing. You have to actively wait because if you don't actively wait, you will despair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Oh, everybody, with that, be your family's bard. Do not turn to the right or to the left, and the Lord will be with you wherever you go. We'll see you next time in the trenches on Poets at War. God of song said, Lord.